2: Greetings Buff fans from Sea with the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the Sea with the Game website and your host for the Sea with the Game podcast. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Sea with the Game podcast. I am joined for this special edition by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, and we will be discussing Signing Day 2 and the CU Recruiting Class of 2023. The CU coaching staff was able to finalize its historic class with the signing of five-star cornerback, Cormani McLean, adding a late happy surprise with the commitment of four-star Alabama linebacker, transfer Des Moines Kennedy. Still, signing day two was mostly quiet, with the majority of the largest class in CU recruiting history already in place by signing day. A total of 42 new scholarship players, Almost half of the 85-man limit CU will need to cut down to by August 1st have joined the herd. This class will be remembered as having the most blue-chip prospects, the most undergraduate transfers, and the most geographically diverse assemblage of talent in CU history, not to mention picking up two five-star recruits in the same class for the first time ever and a final ranking in the top 25 in the nation. We will also spend a significant amount of time going through the quotable quotes from Coach Prime's press conference. Will Sieve's elite underclassmen weekend lead to an even more highly ranked recruiting class of 2024? Is Coach Prime's philosophy of building his defense from the outside in going to work in the Pac-12? Can Coach Prime turn CU's relative lack of NIL bags to his advantage with recruits his coach primes bringing hope to the house going to translate to victories come September and beyond let's find out okay and we are back and this is episode number 100 for the See with the Game podcast and I am joined by Brad Highlands Ranch Geiger how are you this evening?
0: I'm good. It was a busy week both on and off the CU beat, but uh, I think like a lot of Buffs fans, I did put aside some time to watch Coach Prime in prime time.
2: <laughs> Very good. And Neil, I wish I was still skiing at night. Langland from downtown Denver. How's <laughs> Neil doing today?
1: Fine. Well, I blew up once today in some uh, windpack, but... I was thinking about what I was going to do tonight on the podcast. And I want to point out to our listeners who can't see this, but Stuart has been in his coach prime shirt now for about 37 hours, I think.
2: <laughs> uh, yes. And I'm, I'm not going to wash it until after the TCU game or until we lose, which means, you know, I'll hopefully I'll never watch it. Right. But yes, I've got my coach prime shirt on. So I'm, I'm ready to go and talking about CU football and, uh, Coach Prime in his press conference, so there's lots to cover, so we're going to get into it right away. First, it was signing day two, February 1st, 2023. Brad, they only picked up two signees officially. Cormani McLean said yes to the dress, and his commitment to Florida, his commitment to Miami, became a commitment to Colorado, and he signed his letter of intent. And then see you also picked up a a linebacker, a transfer linebacker, a DeMoy Kennedy. Sorry if I got his name wrong. We'll probably learn how to pronounce his name at some point. DeMoy Kennedy from Alabama, a former four-star recruit that was injured for a good portion of last year, but certainly one player that Charles Kelly, uh, the defensive coordinator is familiar with coming also from Alabama. So what did you think about the – what could be called a relatively quiet signing day too, for the university of Colorado.
0: Well, I mean, everything mattered about getting McLean's signature on the paper. Okay. I mean, this appears to be an excellent young man. He is unquestionably an excellent player, but anytime well, you've had a commitment and not done the commitment, you're happy to have that guy sign on the bottom line and know that he's going to be there at spring ball. And then Kennedy was just a nice surprise at a position of need, as you pointed out the, in the articles, Again, uh, we'll take um, if Alabama backups want to keep coming to CU, that pipeline will remain open for the foreseeable <laughs> future. So, yeah, we didn't have perhaps as many bells and whistles on that day, but then again, the, the whole orchestra has been playing for the last month. So, I was fine with a relatively quiet signing day, although even then, Coach Prime managed to make it on all of the national newscasts.
2: Yes. You can't find uh, much coverage in the uh, national news without uh, sporting news, at least without seeing Coach Prime and discussions of the University of Colorado. I think you'd be disappointed at this point if you saw a recruiting class article that didn't include at least some discussion of the University of Colorado. Well, Neil, let me give you a, a couple of numbers. The largest class in CU history in terms of recruiting, well, at least before. There were a number of limitations. You could go back probably into the 70s where you could have 105 recruits on the team. But in the era of 85-man limits, the old record was 32 players in a class, and that was last year. This year's class had 42 members to it, about evenly split between the offense and the defense. Anything stand out to you in terms of how large this class is or – anything about the numbers of the class that uh, impressed you more than something else?
1: I think characterized very well. Uh, It's like the old Jimmy Buffett song, quietly making noise where we had a small class and it was quiet in that sense. But like you say, you couldn't find anything on the sports networks that wasn't about Colorado, wasn't about coach prime. And if you tuned in and watched the press conference, I did the first few minutes. It's easy to see why he's bringing in quality guys. He's bringing in a lot, changing the roster completely. As he said, he would. And I think as most, most Buff fans would say needed to happen if they're going to be competitive. So I'm totally very happy with what he has done so far. Um, And I can't wait to see what happens during and after spring ball. Okay.
2: Well, Brad, let me give you a couple more numbers from the class Ask asking which one of these is most interesting to you because they're all records. CU in 2021 had five undergraduate transfers. This year they signed 14. Last year CU a record graduate transfers, which of course is a relatively new thing, four last year, nine this year. There were eight wide receivers and eight defensive backs in the class. And both of those are records. Which one of those numbers uh, Impresses you the most, or surprises you the most?
0: I would say the combined transfer numbers. It you know it, it is one thing to bring in a bunch of of new play of new recruits, which absolutely had to be done. But when you know when Coach Prime was hired and went in and talked to the team late that night that he was hired and said we coming, he meant it, and yeah, you. Some part of us, for the loyal CU fans who watched this last team struggle, you know, may feel bad for some of those guys, but that number of transfers says essentially that, that the coaching staff looked at the roster and said there's not enough talent here. And their change has to occur, in some cases, merely for change take. So looking at that many players who are coming in and only coming in because they expect to play, That is, I don't know anybody. I mean, USC set the record for that last year, and this is exactly what Coach Prime's trying to do this year.
2: Yeah, it's a a lot of bodies, and even Coach Prime says he hasn't memorized everybody's name yet. So I appreciate his honesty saying, yeah, don't ask me about specific guys because I don't remember them all. Neil, which of these two stats to you is the most impressive about this class? That there were two five-star recruits, Of course, Cormani McLean and Travis Hunter. CU got two five star recruits for the first time since they started counting stars in the same class. Obviously, they're both in the same position, but in the 21st century, Colorado had two five star recruits. Okay, Marcus Houston in 2000 and Daryl Scott in 2008. Now, some Recruiting services had Ryan Miller, a class of 2007, the offensive lineman, is a five-star. But at most, three five-star recruits in the last 25 years. Or the second number I'm going to give you is that the most blue-chips recruits CU has ever had, which would be four- and five-star players, was seven. And the last of those was in 2008. This year, there were nine four- and five-star recruits. So having the two five stars or having the nine, four and five stars, which number there stands out to you as being the most impressive about this class?
1: Well, I don't know how you choose between those two numbers. It's impossible. I think if forced to, I would go with the the blue chips, the number of blue chips, because we need to build depth and we need quality in so many different positions. So I, I think I'd have to go with door number two.
2: Okay. Well, let's, you know, as long as we're talking about numbers, uh, Brad, let's talk a little bit about the national rankings. Uh, Well, let's first talk about, you know, just uh, you were talking briefly about the stories. ESPN had a story. CBS had a story. He was on KOA. He's got to be pretty impressed that uh, Colorado has uh, made an imprint on the national scene. Uh, One in 11 teams getting a lot of press.
0: Well, and I think we have to be honest that, the coach is getting a lot of press and wearing CU stuff and making all, all the appearances. And, you know, he, he's not only, he's charming the national press. He is charming the local press. He recently was doing an interview with one of the nine news people and was trying on her glasses. Um, (laughs) He's just, um, so let's be honest right now. It's about, it's about coach prime, but, Every time you see him, he's wearing a CU hat, a CU shirt, and everything else. The man writes, as they say in Wyoming, the man writes for the brand. And so, yeah, it uh, honestly everything about it matters in this age when recruits want to see themselves on TV and want to see themselves on social media. And the best way to do that right now is standing next to Coach Prime. I mean, they're they're not bending over backwards to stand next to Matt rule, like stop.
1: (laughs) Where is he coaching, by the way? Yeah, I know. I I don't
0: know. I don't know. Some flatland state. I can't remember where that is. Well,
2: the ESPN article (laughs) even said that, you know, Matt rule did a pretty good job considering he's only been on the job for a couple of months. Uh, Okay. Well, I think coach prime's only been on the job for a couple of months, but you know, whatever, you know, he's got to play to your audience um and of course i hope you guys saw that coach prime is, has has an ad in the super bowl not only with coach prime but his son who's our quarterback Shadur, and his other one of his other sons and his daughter are also going to be in a uh what is it a yogurt commercial so you're going to get 30 seconds of coach prime being watched by hundreds of millions of people so he's everywhere and as brad mentioned wearing CU gear every time he gets his picture taken. So it's uh, pretty impressive for Coach Prime and pretty impressive for the University of Colorado. Neil, as far as the the national rankings go, Colorado finished 21st composite at the 24-7 sports, fourth in the transfer portal rankings, and actually first in the transfer portal rankings according to rivals. It's the fifth highest class in terms of rankings class of 2000 was ranked 13th class of 2008 was ranked 15th and the 2002 and 2003 classes were ranked 19th in the country pretty impressive numbers for somebody that's been on the job for about 60 days
1: same amount of time as that other guy that we were talking about <laughs> earlier yes yeah i don't see him doing yogurt ads or uh insurance ads or you know having his own reality show he is an amazing compilation of two basic talents which is he is a natural in the media and he is one hell of a football coach and to me that that's sort of a whole new paradigm in terms of college coaching and recruiting so he's he's invented something new here as far as i can tell
2: okay well brad we've got uh the National Recru- Recruiter of the Year, Charles Kelly, was named as the National Recruiter of the Year. Um, of course, he did some of his work for Alabama um, before he came over to become CU's defensive coordinator. And Coach Prime went through the list of, you know, I think 244 years of experience with the coaches. So he's the front, the face of the program, but uh, he's not alone. He seems to have done a pretty good job of putting, uh, list of recruiters we don't know how well they're going to coach together at this point but we know that they can recruit
0: together isn't the job of the head coach to recruit the recruiters i would I say mean, so in yeah. in the end it's yeah you've got to put together guys who can coach um, i'm going to assume a guy who was you know high up in the defensive coaching staff for alabama knows a bit uh, i'm going to assume a guy who was the head coach of a offense that led the country in yards knows how to do that stuff too but prime understands that you got to have the guys and that we did more importantly understood we didn't have the guys that it didn't matter how good to be blunt the last three coaches have been hired on the premise that we're going to get lower skilled guys and coach them up and the record speaks for itself yeah coach this coaching staff says we're going to get guys who can play and then make them play at their top level. That's a nice gig. If you can get it. And right now we're getting it
2: (laughs) in, in space. So Neil, we're already at about 95 players on the roster. And of course, coach says that uh, this is just a pause. This is just a comma that they're going to go out and get some more players. Does this concern you about what's going to happen with the, players that are on the roster that you got at least 10, probably going to have 15 players that are dressing up for spring and going through the workouts with the strength and conditioning staff that are not going to be with the team come, come May, come 1st of August, certainly.
1: Well, in the sense that there could be wasted reps and training time and in, in spring ball, that is a concern, but. I think that those kids that are on Bubble on the margin are going to realize that they're not going to have any chance really to play here and they'll willingly move on and try to find something else, probably you know, at a G5 or another level of football. So it should work out well for everybody. I mean, maybe I'm being Pollyannish, but um, there's no sense those kids staying around if they know they're not going to play. The only question is whether the university will honor their scholarships uh, if they're not playing.
2: Well, and it's my understanding that the, you know, they can still stick around and finish their academics and see you will pay for their scholar, let's pay for their tuition and everything like that as if they were a a scholarship player, but they're just not going to count against the 85 man limit. So, yeah, it's just a question of whether or not those players who want to play football are willing to give up the game in exchange for their education and having it paid for, or whether or not they want to go to a lower level and see if they can keep enjoying the game that they've been playing since they were kids. Well, gentlemen, I'm going to, I mean, I was totally enamored. This is Coach Prime's second press conference that he had for signing day. And I, I even put it on the website. I can't remember the last time I voluntarily went back and watched an entire press conference twice, but I've done it for both of his press conferences. I mean, I've gone back before looking for specific quotes and things like that from other coaches. But the way Coach Prime does his press conference uh, is just this side of amazing. And for anybody that's listening that hasn't gone, there's plenty of places you can certainly find it. At the CU at the game website. I I posted the YouTube video of it. Uh, you can get the transcript of it at the CU Buffs website. Uh, he's just a, an amazing guy when it comes to, uh, his ability to hold a room. So I'm going to run through some of his quotes and I want to get your guys' comments and I'm going to go back and forth because there's so many of them, but if you guys want to jump in on any one of them that I'm not talking to you about, you know, and talk to the other guy about, please feel free, uh, Brad, I mean, his opening statements, coach prime says, let me start by saying, I absolutely love Boulder. I really do. It was a hidden gem for me because I had no idea. I absolutely love it. I can't wait to get into a home so I can have a yard and a dog. This is unbelievable. I had no idea. Now, of course, we're taking everything that Coach Prime says at face value. He certainly wanted to say, wow, it's, super, it's more cold than they thought it was You know, ever going to be, and I don't like it here. But he seems sincere in everything he says. Does this uh, – Give you hope that maybe Coach Prime will be here more than two or three years that he actually does love Boulder.
0: Well, I think I you know it, it's always easy to be cynical about CU and good coaches, but yeah, I think I think there is, I think Coach Prime means everything he says with the minute he says it. Um, I think his sincerity is very clear, you know, as opposed to I don't know some guy who might be coaching a bunch of felons in Michigan, but um. I think, <laughs> You know, and that enthusiasm comes with it. And I think, I think it's true. I think more importantly, you know, CU has, has had, particularly over the last few years, has tried very hard to make itself more welcoming for African-American coaches, for African-American students. And the coach understands that. And, you know, my a related quote was he was talking about that it's not that cold. And if you can just get the Georgia and Florida kids here and understand how, how nice it is, they're not going to be <laughs> scared of the cold. You know, and who knows if we're playing, you know, Utah in a driving snowstorm in November, uh, <laughs> that may be different. But I think, you know, I do think he means it. And I think he's rather deliberately saying that to kind of take care of those rumors. And, you know, it's I think he does mean it. I think. If we can continue to make it that welcoming and that friendly and undo some of the perhaps certainly unjustified hostility toward the program that has existed for some time, I think it will continue to be a welcoming place. You know, he's charmed the student body. He's charmed the athletes. He's charmed the athletic department. It'll be interesting to see what he starts doing with the faculty.
2: Well, it would be interesting. I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't be able to, if they got one-on-one or he got a room full of them, that uh, they wouldn't come out being season ticket holders. I mean, he's just got that kind of personality. Neil, let's let's talk a little about his quotes about the, the junior day or the elite underclassmen weekend that was weekend before signing day. It had been reported there are 54 recruits from the classes of 24, 25, and some beyond At the press conference, Coach Prime said that there were 67 recruits that were there. And CU's had junior days before, but a lot of times those junior days were just kind of the Denver metro area kids or maybe some Wyoming kids or something coming down, and that was the junior day weekend. And now we're talking about four- and five-star players. And as we tape this on the day after signing day, there's a couple of recruits that are going to announce – their commitment for the class of 24 Friday and Saturday that might turn out being buffs. So what do you think about uh, CU's elite underclassmen and coach prime bringing in 67 elite players to, uh, to host them on a, a weekend before signing day?
1: A couple of observations. Yeah. Those, those are rather mundane events in the past. Does CU pay for those visits?
2: They're No, at this point, they're, they're, they're coming on their own dime. These are unofficial visits. So these players can come back for official visits down the road.
1: That, that makes it more impressive that those kids from all over are willing to spend their own dime to come here and be part of the festivities with Coach Pond. The other thing that he's done with that is everyone's been worried about whether he would adjust to the cold, talking about Coach Pond. Uh, But he's embraced the weather here. He's embraced the town. He is all in on Boulder. And that sends a message to these kids that whatever you've heard about Boulder, I'm telling you, this is a great place. So he's not just fitting in with the community here and dedicating himself to that, but he's also selling these kids at the same time as, hey, I love it here. Come join us and come have some fun. And I can't remember ever having that number of high level recruits in town at one time. It's amazing that's got to be a record for c u
2: yeah, and we'll see you I mean obviously some of those players get to know each other, and if you get one or two of them to commit, then they can email well email how old am i <laughs> uh, whatever they, whatever communication they have between each other that uh they can help recruit for c u once they decide that they want to come to see you. So it just builds on top of itself.
0: Yeah, you put those kids together and they're exchanging Snapchats and now they're all together on the same strings and that kind of stuff. There has always been some level of crowd building, group building on that kind of thing. And the more of them you can put together, there's a critical mass. And yeah. you know, if if there are always going to be leaders and people who are looking elsewhere. But that's yeah, those those guys all talk all the time in one way or the other. And, um, the more they're talking about CU, the better chances.
1: I had uh, heard that a lot of those kids had never seen snow before. So they were out there frolicking in the snow, like little kids, snowball fights and so on. So I think that helps those kids embrace one another as well as Boulder. He's doing a fine job with that.
2: Yeah. Well, I saw an interesting, uh, interview with uh, jordan Dominic, who's from florida who is one of the graduate transfers uh, came from arkansas and also played at georgia tech and he was saying that he had never seen he said snow that's that was stuck he called it on the ground he, <laughs> he, Snow. he just didn't see it was stuck before. and he said he was joking with the coaches that you know before he committed before he signed it didn't snow and then as soon as it's you know as soon as he signed it started snowing and getting cold so but he said it in a joking way that you know it was uh, an inside joke with the the coaching staff that yeah you don't you turn the the faucet off until everybody committed and then once they committed then it got below zero but um, yeah they seem to be embracing it and doing snow angels and things like that so hopefully that will become a an inside joke for the players that do commit Brad moving on to the the coaching is Coach Prime gave some numbers out. I just want to ask you which of these sounds most impressive to you between the 10 position coaches and the five analysts. Well, that's, that's impressive right there. Five analysts <laughs> uh, of the 15 coaches, five have served at head coaches. They have a combined 244 years of experience, 75 at the power five level 52 as either offensive or defensive coordinators, and there's 49 10-win seasons in that group. Of those numbers, what, what stands out to you? Just the, the years of experience, the power five level experience, the winning, the fact that they're head coaches or coordinator experience? What, uh, what about the coaching staff stands out to you is now that it's finally all in place?
0: The subordination of a group of egos to a singular goal it is hard to put that many strong-willed men in a room and not be concerned about who's going to try to run it. And it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Now, obviously, some of these guys are looking at this at a stepping stone. They should. I don't want assistant coaches who are satisfied being assistant coaches. You know, that's not the guys who are going to do this. But the fact that guys who had, other options, other opportunities who were already in good positions said, this is the man I'm going to follow. That's how you put together an elite group. And so when you combine, particularly the experience on game day, as long as you have your chain of command very clear and you know who's doing what to whom and for whom, it's just, it, it, it's truly amazing that Coach Prime can look at people and say, can you come do this with me? And they all just seem to say, "Yeah, I, I'm I'm here."
2: Yeah, they're in, they're coming.
0: Uh, Neil, I, I didn't happen
2: to do this on purpose, but I'm glad that it worked out this way because I want to get your comment on a quote from Coach Prime about uh, how he wants to build his team. That uh, he was asked about the fact that he had two five star cornerbacks and he said that a lot of coaches build inside out starting with the defensive lineman moving to the secondary I build both ways I build outside in starting with the secondary then to the defensive lineman when thinking defensively his quote was we're going to take the pass rushers and quarters and let's go get it then let's go get the big boys and make sure they stabilize the run that could control the run game so you've got a coach that uh you're a big fan of having the big boys and obviously coach prime knows he needs the big boys, but what do you think of his uh, sort of philosophy of building from the outside in and getting the speed and the edge rushers and the cornerbacks and then going and getting the big boys?
1: Well, I was composing an email here just a moment ago on this very topic. And um, that goes to my being dated perhaps in terms of not, staying up with the game because it's changed from the time where it was built inside out. I still think there's part of it, but in today's wide open offenses, if one doesn't have good corners and pressure on the passer, it's going to be hard to win. It's going to be hard to build a defense if you can't stop the pass. So, well, I think they still need quality linemen having receivers speed and corners that are just fluid and can shut down an entire side of the field. I tip my hat to Coach Prime.
2: Okay. Well, Brad, I don't know if you had a chance to actually listen to the the whole press conference, but our good friend Mr. Kisla at the Denver Post, and for anybody that's been with the See with the Game for any length of time knows that I never quote anything from the Denver Post because of said Mr. Kisla, tried to bait the coach a little bit. He even said as a preface to his comment that, uh, you know, C was basically irrelevant in his opinion, but now it has an X on its chest. And what does coach prime think about that and how it came about? And he had a nice response. I don't know what X on your chest means. Last person I knew that was Malcolm, but uh, (laughs) He then went on to talk about the I'm coming motto and the origin story for that. I was sitting in a restaurant in Jackson and God said, now I picked up the phone and called, said, please get a hold of Rick. Rick got on the phone and said, I'm coming. That's where it came from. That's truly where it came from. He just sitting in a restaurant in Jackson, made his decision, called Rick and said, I'm coming. What do you think about that? Uh, I also, he also mentioned the fact that Rick took the phone call and was not expecting necessarily good news, but uh, was happy that uh, coach prime committed to him right then and there. So
1: we're going to be doing a lot
2: of I'm coming and we're coming, you know, over the next year or so with uh, coach prime. Uh, Did you like the story or did you like the fact that he shut down Mr. Kisla of the Denver post?
0: Well, first of all, you know, Mr. Kisla has seen it as his duty to, the mean CU football for a lot of years, and I'm kind of interesting who told the coach that, <laughs> and who might have mentioned that. But part of it's just the coach's unrelenting optimism. He's not here for that crud, and it, it's yeah that it. I don't expect all writers to be unrelenting cheerleaders for it, but he the coach is not going to tolerate being part of that and that's his job and i appreciate that i think it would i think he probably would have shut down anybody coming at it with that level of uh negativity although i'd like to believe that at some point somebody pulled him aside and said yeah that's not the guy <laughs> well i
2: i think uh i didn't i saw one of the message boards posted a post article i think they were The gist of the article I I assume was a KISLA article saying that you know Colorado didn't have a bunch of CU or Colorado in-state commits and how terrible that was. But you know, that's typical KISLA. You find a top 25 class for a guy that's been on the job for eight weeks and you still find way to criticize it. But you know, that's just the Denver Post being the Denver Post. Neil, let me give you some quotes about uh, the NIL stuff. Somebody asked him, it's like, well you know, what's your selling point? What do you, you know, how do you sell Colorado? And his response, I just love it. says, I don't sell nothing. That's the thing. It is what it is. One of the first thing I said is if you care about NIL or to be rich, we're not the school for you. But if you're here to become a man, get a degree, a tremendous education and grow, win, and probably go pro if you do all the correct things that's, well, that's who we are. We're not here for the NIL. We're here for the NFL. So, How refreshing is that? And how does it give you some optimism that CU that doesn't have bags of money, as Coach Prime referred to it, uh, can use that as a selling point, you know, actually turn it around, turn it on its head and say, if you're all about NIL stuff, you know, more power to you. Go to the, go to the big schools, go to Ohio State, go to Oregon, go to Alabama. If you want to become an NFL player, come and play for me.
1: You know, it has sort of a mythical Spartan aspect to it, which is we're just here for football and to become good students and good men. And that's a great selling point for parents. And I think it's intriguing for kids. And CU was at a disadvantage with NIL so far, which makes Coach Prime's achievements up to this point even more impressive. It does give perspective on what he's been able to do without bags of money waiting in the wings for these players. It's amazing.
0: Okay.
1: Oh, I th- I think we're seeing
0: some of the shaking out of the NIL. Um, I think the failure of Texas A&M to succeed, despite you know throwing literally throwing gold bricks at players. Yes, buying um, a class. Buying a class, but not buying wins. I think uh the, the the saga of florida the 13 million dollars i can't remember that young man's name
2: who yeah Rashada. Uh, he ended up at arizona state we'll see how uh, long he stays there and how much he got paid to go there i
0: bet it won 13 million it wasn't 13 um, million yeah so i i think we're like everything else i think the first couple of years of nil were people overbidden the market and it will settle down and i think cu will never be a top spender but I think that that's not going to be the final decision for most of these guys. And I think, sure, if you or I won the billion-dollar lottery and decided to endow an NI, you know, go to Buffs for life and endow them with NIL, I suspect I'd get a handshake from Coach Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes. I think he might acknowledge that we exist, yes. but I think he uh, he and spend that money wisely. I hope, but knowing that we don't have it and knowing that it may be overstated and that he has other things. he He's understanding this process in a way that our last, you know, certainly coach Durrell never grasped. And I think he's teaching it to the people in the athletic department.
2: Yeah. He's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. And oh yeah. He seems to be way ahead of that. And he also talked about the fact that, you know, there is NIL stuff and he said that, you know, they understand we're not just trying to make a kid rich, we're just trying to make sure his needs are met, which is what NIL was supposed to be about in the first place, is that the kids weren't begging for food on a Sunday night, because they weren't allowed to have a job that they were, you know, actually taking care of. And that was what NIL was supposed to be a supplement for. Yeah. Brad, I'll I'll give you another quote off another question. And again, I just, I mean, I am all in on Coach Prime, if you haven't noticed, but he got another question about whether or not he was you know, surprised by how well he was able to do in the first two months, which I think is a pretty reasonable question. It's like, okay, you know, you knew we were coming here. You won an 11 team, hadn't been here, never even seen the place before you took the job, finished up with Jackson state. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Were you surprised by how well you were able to do in such a short period of time? Were your goals more modest for this year? And, Maybe for a class of 24, you'd expect to be a top 25 class. Well, Coach Prime's response, how would we be surprised about success? That means we really didn't expect success. If we're surprised about success, we expect success. We expect to go get that kid. You know, the only thing that keeps us from getting kids signing with us is a bag. You know, which You know, we all know what that means. So... I mean, I just love the response. It's like, why would be, you know, if you don't expect success, then yeah, you'd be su- surprised by being successful. But he's not surprised by this class because he expects to do well. Gotta love that quote.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just in, not in defense, but in explanation. Has there ever been anything that Coach Prime tried hard at that he didn't succeed at? Yeah. He, he, There's a reason he believes that if you work at something, you succeed. It's because that's his life experience. Yes. You know, I, you know, if I work hard at being a quarterback, I will be in the discussion of the best cornerbacks ever to play in the NFL and wear the gold jacket and be in the college football hall of fame. And if I work hard at being a coach, I will take Jackson state places. It never occurred to be, you know, you can wonder how that's going to work when he faces his first failure, but that ego seems relatively impenetrable to me.
2: Yeah. Well, Neil, what do you think about this as a, you know, a selling point? You know, he talks about the fact that I've sat in all three seats. You know, what does that mean? You know, well, I've been a player, you know, he's been a guy that got recruited. He's had a kid. Shadour was a four-star recruit. He's got a kid that's been recruited. He says, I've been the parents sitting there while his kids get recruited. And now I'm a coach recruiting kids. So he says, I can talk to the mamas, as he said, you know, I know what you're feeling. And I know what you're looking for. Got to be a great selling point. It's not obviously the first athlete to be recruited, have a kid that be recruited, and then be a coach. But you got to like the way he's able to break it down into real simple sentences and say, well, this is how I'm able to convince parents to have their kid come play for me.
1: You know, it's amazing how quickly Coach Prime establishes rapport with a room with a press, you know, of, of reporters in a press conference or in an interview. And I think when he gets into the home and is talking to parents, they probably instantly can relate to him just because of his, uh, his presence and magnetism. But when he has done everything, as you suggest, he's credible which a lot of other coaches probably are not. And they're more bottom line oriented where I think it's it's clear that he is concerned as much about trying to build football as he is trying to build young men into older men. And that plays so well with parents. I, I think his charisma is, is gonna be the thing that really carries his career here at CU.
2: Okay. well. Brad, they, they talked about this class. I uh, had recruits from 16 different states. It was the most diverse in terms of geography class that he had ever had. The first time in I don't know how many years that there wasn't the, the leading state was not Colorado, California, or Texas. Seven out of Florida was the, the leading state. And he was asked about recruiting in-state. And... You know, he said he wants to be dominant in state. If the kid can play, we want him. We want him at this institution playing football for us. But we don't want him to be. Able, but we want him to be able to play, not just recruiting him because he's in state. He's got to contribute to be dominant. Is the model that Coach Prime has to make CU a national program? Because we, you know, Bill McCartney obviously got players out of Michigan, Louisiana in addition to Texas and California and things like that. I mean, Cordell Stewart was from Louisiana. You know, I mean, Michael Westbrook was from Michigan. He recruited nationally, but that's never been quite CU's methodology, that it's been California and Texas. Can CU continue to be a nationally recruiting program as long as Coach Prime and his bevy of assistant coaches are around?
0: as much as we loved coach McCartney until he won a national championship, you think he was a household name in Florida, <laughs> um, you know, or, you know, or parts of Texas even. Yeah. Because again, they Dion Sanders name is one that is not geographically limited. He played his foot. Yes. He could have been, he could have been the greatest human being ever in Florida state ever in Florida. If he'd stayed in, played at Florida State, somehow stayed in Florida and played his entire football career there. He'd have been, you know, he'd have never bought a meal in Florida the rest of his life, but that he aspired higher. And he played in California and he played in Dallas and he played in Georgia. And he, we are a national brand because he is a national brand. And then and then look at his his coaches. They are a national brand. They all have their expertise. So... Yeah. Do I think they can maintain it? Uh, Yeah, I think they are. I don't think there's a uh, living room in the country that Dion doesn't at least have a chance to sit in.
2: Yeah. And if there are top players in the state of Colorado, we'll get top players out of the state of Colorado. I I don't think that too many writers or too many parents wringing their hands at Cherry Creek are going to change Colorado's philosophy under Coach Prime. Well, let me finish with both of you on how Coach Prime finished his uh, press conference and he was talking about hope. And I did an essay last spring that I think the title of it, I'll put a, a link to it on the website, was See Who Needs to Sell Hope. Because at that point, there really wasn't much reason for hope. There was no NIL stuff going on. Carl Durrell's class was, you know, just another mediocre class coming off a four and eight season. And nobody thought we were gonna even get to four wins or maybe get to five. So now there is hope. And his quote was, everyone in this building has a commitment to excellence. Everyone in this building is on point. Hope has been reestablished. Hope is in the house. Hope is in the air. Hope is in the city. Hope is in the community. Hope is within you. This place is unbelievable. Neil, I'll I'll start with you. I mean, hope is it is what it is until CU takes the field in Fort Worth on September 2nd, which is seven months from today as we're recording this. It certainly seems that hope has been restored for the University of Colorado football program.
1: Well, he certainly has restored mine, and I don't think there was anything more cynical about last season than I was only seeing one game in Boulder uh, the whole time. What he has done in a short period of time has taken us where we were in the ditch uh, with no hope of getting out of it really and has transformed it into something it has never been before, like you and Brad were discussing. It has become not just a regional program, but it's national in part due to his Uh, his reputation and the breadth and depth of his experience and his exposure i mean i don't know that any other program at this point has a coach or a staff that has that kind of presence in the national media it just it's phenomenal it's unbelievable so I, i think we have a lot of reason to hope And I think what we do need to manage, though, is expectations in that we have all these new kids and new coaches coming together. It's going to take a little while to knit them into a cohesive, uh, synergistic team. So, you know, if if we stink at TCU, if we struggle against Nebraska or even Colorado State, it's like, just be patient because it'll happen.
0: Okay. Well, Brad, are you? I just think that's hilarious considering that we picked CU to beat TCU seven months ago. So I I think our hope remains pretty significant at all times, but I think it's more reasonable nowadays.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's some empirical evidence behind the hope (laughs) that things are going to go well. But TCU was five and seven, had fired its coach, didn't know who its quarterback was going to be. You know, and Colorado, was four and eight, and we had hope that the quarterback situation was improving, and the defense was going to get better. And yeah, who knows? But yeah, (laughs) we'll we'll always be hopeful. I mean, I remember the 2000 season. We started off 0 and three and 0 and four, something like that. We had some losses, close losses to ranked team and we saying we're the best 0 and four team in the country. We remember Brad and I were walking out of you know, the Georgia stadium in Athens, when we lost to the nationally ranked in, you know, Georgia on the, you know, led the entire game into the final minutes and lost in the final minutes. And we were 0 and 4 and Georgia was 4 and 0. And it's like, well, you're a really good team on our way to two and 10, but yes, you, uh, there's reason for hope. That's beyond hope itself.
0: Yeah. Unquestionably. And, you know, it is, it, it, very rational very objective national sports writers people who have no reason to believe in CU, believe in CU under beyond sanders you know and yeah he, he is so charming that he can probably take anybody a little bit but you know the guys who know this game guys who know this roster think that we should have hope and so that means our hope is not irrational very good well we'll We'll leave it at that for now. We'll
2: be back in a couple of weeks now that the roster is starting to settle a little bit. It's not all in the ether. We actually have names and positions and numbers on the roster that uh, will start getting ready for spring ball, which is going to start in mid-March. The spring game will be nationally televised on ESPN, I understand, and they're going to charge 10 bucks to get in to see it. And people are grousing about paying 10 bucks to see it when they could have gone for free last year and chose not to go. Uh, so <laughs> not much sympathy on my end for that. But uh, thank you both gentlemen for your time and support of the University of Colorado. And thank you for being a part of the 100th podcast for See You at the Game.
0: Go Buffs.
2: Thanks for listening. And also for being a member of the Buff Nation which is finally being rewarded for its loyalty over the years. As noted, this is the 100th episode for the See with the Game podcast. If you've been with us from the beginning, thank you very much. I know that the production quality has certainly improved. I hope that the quantity and quality of the uh, actual episodes are also, in your opinions, improved since year one. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes this spring. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are proud to be part of their podcast network. As always, you can find the See With The Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. And again, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See With The Game website. I'll be back in two weeks with Neil and Brad, and we'll start looking ahead to spring practices. I'll also talk about the other news of the day concerning Coach Prime's Buffs. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs!
0: Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to seeyouatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.